Okay. So today as part of our Upside Podcast series, which is powered by Sports Psych Advisor, uh, we have the honor to interview Kai Bond, partner at Sports uh, Courtside Ventures. So, um, Kai, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Great. So, Kai, what I wanted to talk to you about today was, uh, you know, your background uh, and how you got into the world of the VC world, and then uh, get your your take on the world of esports and the trend that you're seeing. So, how does it sound? Sounds great. Let's do it. Great. So, so Kai, uh, could you start by telling us about your background and, and your role at Courtside Ventures? Sure. Um, so my background is um, as a founder. So I was a founder three times over. Um, you know, first company started in 2006, uh, was in the gaming ecosystem, started a second company in 2010, uh, also focused in the gaming ecosystem, and then another company in 2014 uh, that was an interactive streaming platform. Uh, called Pixie TV, uh, focused on uh, creating uh, enhanced viewing experiences over live broadcast. Um, and so, you know, over 10 years um, as an entrepreneur, three different businesses, uh, building teams at different scales and sizes, um, you know, I, you know, really built up a tremendous amount of knowledge um, around running a startup and being a founder. Uh, you, you know, it's hard to uh, understand what it's like being a founder without, you know, walking in those shoes. And so, you know, my path into venture was primarily through a founder lens. Um, I was fortunate enough to um, have my third company, Pixie TV, acquired by Samsung. Um, and when I, um, you know, spent about a year, you know, launching that product globally within the Samsung smart TV ecosystem, um, I realized a couple of things. One is I'm a pretty bad employee. Uh, so going from running small startups and companies to being part of a 380,000 person machine was a difficult transition. Um, and what I realized most was, you know, the area and the stage that I like working on most was very early stage uh, company formation. And I was fortunate enough to get a role at what was then called the Samsung Global Innovation Center, now called Samsung Next, um, and lead their accelerator program, uh, working with early stage founders from concept um, to building out initial product uh, to helping that scale. Um, and so that was really my first experience, you know, working in an investment capacity. And I found the coaching the mentoring, the advising of early stage founders to be, you know, incredibly rewarding. Um, you know, I built up, you know, a decade worth of experience around hiring, uh, you know, what are the right law firms, who should be doing your accounting, um, you know, honing in on product market fit, what are the KPIs you should be tracking, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, that to me um, was really how I started to get into venture. Um, I was given a unique opportunity to go over to Comcast Ventures uh, where I did two things. One was um, investing out of Catalyst Fund, a $20 million fund focused on underrepresented founders. And then uh, I was also investing in gaming and esports out of the flagship fund at Comcast Ventures. So that was a unique opportunity to see not only early stage deals, uh, at the seed in Series A, but also understand what the growth investments would look like uh, across the ecosystem um, and how it would impact a large, you know, publicly traded media company who's interested in gaming and esports. That makes sense. So, uh, what you know, when you're looking to invest in companies, so what are you typically looking for in startups? For me, it's always team first. Um, you know, 
when I think about, you know, the best companies in the world, what you say you are going to build day one and what it ends up becoming uh, yeah. are very, very different things. Uh, and you have to have a team that is resilient, um, that is determined, that's passionate, but most importantly, has some unique insight or perspective into this problem, this solution, this opportunity. They see a vision or they have a spark uh, that no one else has. Um, yeah. And so the team first is always kind of the first thing. You know, we are thesis-driven investors, though. Um, and so in the gaming and, and esports ecosystems, you know, we have, uh, you know, lanes that we like to, to play in that fit that investment thesis. So we're looking for, you know, how can we as a VC group accelerate um, and help the investment scale, you know, more rapidly, um, reach a greater user base, you know, identify partnerships. Um, and that's key for us, right? As, as a vertically focused fund, um, you know, we are not just going to run scattershot, but we definitely have very honed in perspectives on what we want to invest in and why and why we think the timing is right. Um, and so that, you know, plays in heavily for us um, as we evaluate, you know, companies that are, are raising uh, in this current market. Yeah. And, and I know when I talked to Vasu, your, your, your partner, you mentioned they have very specific metrics, right, that you guys go through. And if it fits the bill, then you you got a higher chance to invest in a startup, right? So that's right. Yeah, you know we, you know, as a group, um, you know, focus on three areas, right? Vasu leads uh, sports and sports media, uh, lifestyle and culture. Uh, Deepin uh, is focused on health, uh, fitness, and wellness, and I'm focused on gaming and esports. And the the beauty of it is that we're very much a collaborative partnership, right? I've launched an interactive streaming company in sports, um, you know, and and they've done, you know, as much if not more, you know, esports investing than I have. And so that balance is helpful. Um, and you know, we have a rigorous rating, you know, platform where we go through and you know rank the team, uh, rate the product market fit, look at the KPIs, the progress they've made to date, uh, and we use that as a litmus test of you know how should we lean in? How aggressively are we going to go after this opportunity? Where does it stack rank and, and why should we move forward? And so there's a rigor, you know, I think all of us coming from a founder background um, and understanding how to build great products uh, that filters into our thinking and informs our beliefs around how we, you know, uh, create a sustainable long-term, you know, uh, fund that can generate great returns. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, obviously the the esports market has been a lot of attention. Uh, you know, it's been kind of booming, and I think it's on track to reach over one point one billion dollars this year. So, and I think with COVID nineteen, that that's probably uh, there's an even bigger spike, right? And and so, what what do you think the world of esports is so exciting? Yeah, and you know, it's always interesting to talk about the size of the esport um, ecosystem. Uh, based on revenue, right? Because it's an incredibly early market in the U.S. and that's primarily where we're focused on investing is, you know, U.S., Western Europe. Um, and so, you know, it's hard to say it's a billion dollar market. When you look at the overall gaming ecosystem, right? Gaming is on track to be $158 billion of revenue on an annual basis. Yeah. And so, you know, when we invest in both sides, what makes esports an interesting uh, opportunity is one, there's hyper growth in the category. 
Two, there are no large incumbents other than maybe you can say Twitch in the in the in the world of of gaming um, and esports that dominate, right? And so there will be category winners. So this is a unique moment in time that everyone's looking at and saying, you know, there will be category defining companies that become multi billion dollar businesses. I think what's most interesting when you think about the esports ecosystem are two things. One is viewership, audience. Um, there are hundreds of millions of people watching gaming, right? Um, and so the interactive streaming side um, and the ability to you know, drive a new medium of entertainment is one area that's extremely exciting for us. Um, and when you look at the other side, it's the interactivity, it's the accessibility, right? So not only are you viewing, uh, but you're also playing, right? And and I think oftentimes when we think about the world of esports, people are thinking about the hyper-competitive, Overwatch League, or you're thinking yep. about, you know, esports uh, teams. Uh, but the reality is, you know, you have a spectrum here, right? You have, you know, youth and high school sports, right? Play versus is going after this um, and rolling out, you know, the ability to create, you know, high school esports, uh, collegiate esports, right? You have exactly. companies like Players Lounge, right? Which is to us the new poker night, right? You can challenge someone head to head in the game of skill. Um, and so rather than now in this particular world, getting together in a poker night and playing someone, you can actually play an esport, you know, and compete with them one-on-one, uh, -on -one, right? And that's a form of entertainment. If you want to create a record, you can use something like mission control. And so you're looking at every level of high school students, you know, the, the new poker night, kind of the rec league. Um, and when you think about, you know, the world of traditional sports, you know, there are very few people who are going to become pro also, right? But yeah. the reality is there's millions of people that are playing pickup basketball or pickup soccer globally. And so when we think about, you know, uh, esports, I think this combination of uh, entertainment, um, viewability, interactivity, combined with accessibility and participatory nature of what you're doing is what, you know, is making people gravitate towards it. Now, you throw in the macro, uh, you know, conditions that we're in now with, you know, shelter in place, COVID-19, um, staying at home, um, and you're seeing just a rapid acceleration at all levels from competitive to mid-core to casual. And that's kind of where we see the ecosystem evolving um, is that this is going to be something that, you know, everyone plays at every level rather than just kind of the pro um, and high end of the, uh, of the competitive spectrum. And, and so your, your, your portfolio startups, because I'm assuming you've got some in esports, right? Gaming, do they yep. really see, do, they, do you see a big spike right now, a big adoption, a bigger adoption because of Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're seeing, you know, um, you know, you take 100 Thieves um, as, a, as a team that we've uh, backed, um, yeah. you know, really a, a media business, you know, seeing, you know, more viewership than they've ever had. Um, you see Players Lounge having more engagement, uh, more wagering uh, across the entire platform. Uh, and so, you know, you, you kind of, you know, look at individual businesses and then you take a step back and you look at the portfolio that we've constructed out of fund one and fund two, and you yeah. see this massive uptick in terms of engagement, uh, adoption, viewership. Uh, and so it's an incredibly exciting time to be part of, you know, this world in this time. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, what are the main trends that you're seeing in the world of esports right now? Um, if you could summarize some of the, the exciting trend that you see. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I think accessibility is probably one of the key trends, right? You're seeing um, people playing on mobile phones, uh, you're seeing people play, uh, you know, on desktop, you're seeing, you know, uh, 
you know, this going across console. Um, yeah. And that's a global phenomenon, right? Um, Cross-platform gaming uh, to me is something where, uh, you know, it, typically we're seeing, a, you know, a casual gamer on a mobile device, uh, but now you're seeing an adoption of, you know, the PUBGs and Fortnites on a mobile device. So I think, you know, having the ability to continue playing uh, across platform is a fascinating thing in terms of accessibility. Um, you know, I think, you know, we're just at the very beginning phases of true interactivity. Um, you know, when you think about, you know, people playing Fortnite and then coming in and watching a concert, you know, we're taking those small steps towards what the metaverse will look like. Um, and so, you know, to me, this idea that of community, um, of, of, you know, really forming um, not only entertainment, but, you know, networks uh, around this. And we wrote a blog post around, you know, and you're seeing this today, um, you know, tremendous levels of engagement around community. This is a new way for the next generation to socialize and engage yeah, yeah. and have fun, right? And so it's not just about the game itself. It's about forming a community around it. And that's a, uh, yeah. a special trend we're seeing throughout in every level. Well, I tell you, my, my son was 10. Ever since, you know, you got COVID-19, he can't see his friends anymore, right? So pretty much the way for him to communicate with and play with them is through uh, Fortnite. And I tell you a funny story. Like I'm French, right? So I found that, you know, when he, he play Fortnite with his cousins in France, that's the best way for him to learn French because he's talking to them in French. So rather than having a tutor, you know, where you're going through some boring lessons, I, I find Fortnite super, you know, super efficient. Um, yep. That's kind of an extreme use case, but that's just a way to communicate, right? So. And I think, you know, you'll see the creativity, you know, uh, there's a, there's always been, a, uh, I think, a stigma associated with the gamer, right? Yes. Um, you know, the South Park episode where it's, you know, the overweight guy in his mom's basement yeah. playing games all day and antisocial, you know, those days are gone, right? And that you've got, you know, Ninja playing Drake, right? You've got, um, you know, famous athletes streaming. You look at yeah. the bubble, you know, inside of, uh, you know, the NBA and, you know, these guys are playing games. So now your, your idols, your, you know, in pop stars, the athletes, people you look up to. Uh, and so when you strip that out, you know, it opens up a, a new level. I think to your point around, you know, you know, uh, learning, right. I even talked to parents who are like, look, you know, my kid's 15, 16 years old. If he was going to go to a Travis Scott concert, you know, uh, maybe I'd be concerned he'd be out smoking weed or drinking, yeah. but now he's getting that same level of entertainment and I know where he is and what's going on. And so I, I think you're starting to see parents and, you know, we were a generation, right. I'm, I'm in my forties. Like we grew up playing video games. So there's less of a stigma about allowing your children to play um, because, you know, hey, I still go out and I play sports and, you know, I, I didn't, you know, fail out of school. And so, you know, you start to strip these stigmas back and then you start to get a generation of people who are thinking creatively around gaming um, and not just playing, but participating, engaging. Uh, that's where you're starting to start to see a whole lot of more positive impact um, in the next generation of, of really what I can, you know, call sort of think of as the interactivity layer uh, within that gaming ecosystem. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that because, um, like, I had, you know, that perception that esports, you know, it's just playing games all night. And, you know, I know I discovered in the U.S. in college, you can take, uh, you know, you can learn esports as a program. And what I've also found is that in college, uh, in esports, you can actually, the kids can actually make money. And, you know, up until 
recently, you know, you couldn't, NCA athletes couldn't even make money. But I think yep. in esports, that's one of the, the few disciplines when the, those students can actually make money while, when they're learning, right? Yeah. I have friends who are New York City public school teachers, and, you know, they have me come in and speak to the students, uh, you know, twice a year. Yeah. Um, and every time I go in, you know, they're like, oh, he's a founder. He started a game company. Like, how do I do that? I'm like, go back and become a programmer. Like, you have right. to be a computer engineer, a computer scientist. And it's the one thing that gets them into math because, they, okay, yeah. this is how you use the Unity game engine. This is what Unreal looks like. This is how you access it. This is how you can create your own games. And now there's even a greater democratization, right, in terms of creating content. You know, kids are obviously creating games inside of Roblox um, and Minecraft yeah. from a younger age. And so, you know, there's a, there's a different palette, right, to color on. Um, and this gives a, a different perspective, but, you know, it's a way to engage with, with kids in a, a medium and a form that they find entertaining, that they can become a professional and make a lot of money in. Um, and it's something that they love. And so that's a unique thing. And you don't see that often um, in a lot of industries where people have a strong passion and understanding of good gameplay. And then, oh, there's actually a real career opportunity for me, for me here yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we, we work, for example, with the Tony Parker Academy in France. Yep. And they have a, a specific esports program where they tell the kid, look, there's a high chance you're never going to be a professional, right? Gamer. But, yep. however, they provide classes to teach them, how, you know, become managers of esports teams. So yep. I think it makes sense, right? Um, yep. So my, my next question is, you know, since COVID-19 pandemic, you know, started, many leagues, right? The NBA 2K, uh, you know, uh, JP, La Liga, NASCAR, F1, you know, all of them have really focused on esports and, and they've gone viral, virtual, right? And so why do you think that is, you know? Um, uh, what do you think is the reason why they're all jumping on esports and and virtualizing their leagues? Yeah, so you know, I think when you think about the environment we're in today, yeah. um, particularly with with uh, with teams being massive brands, um, it's about how you connect uh, with your fan base, right? And you know, one way is to have them watch, you know, the EPL or La Liga every Sunday, right? Um, and then yeah team is good enough hopefully you watch them midweek uh, in champions league but you know it, it there's there's a season right and you know when the games are and you know the reality is the the teams in the leagues want to extend out and have new opportunities to reach a younger demographic right yeah. um to reach on a way that's interactive and entertaining um and so i think there's a there's a a, a way to to create a new level of engagement, which I think is key. You know, I think the second factor here is, you know, understanding that, you know, for many leagues around the world, uh, the idea of fan participation, i.e. going to a stadium and watching a game is uncertain. We don't know when that's going to happen again. And, you know, the idea that you can enable some sort of uh, participation uh, around your favorite athletes or members of the team or the leagues that you're in um, gives another way uh, to, to connect. And so, you know, there's a lot going on. I mean, when you look at the, the NASCAR race in the U.S., and, you know, you find that particularly fascinating, right? All yeah. of the drivers have this simulator in their house. They're driving, they're broadcasting. Um, it was, you know, a massive success. You know, fans are engaged. And, and you get a unique snapshot into the lives of, of these racers, right? Like, where is this thing set up? They're posting on social media. And then there's the race and the event itself, right? So it's not too different than, you know, when an NBA player comes down and 
what are they wearing as they're coming into the arenas become like a whole thing. Um, yeah. You're looking for ways to connect, right? And this level of entertainment, this level of engagement, um, you know, supplements the traditional sports experience um, and just allows you to really connect in a, in a different way. And so, you know, I think the last underlying element that I, that I talk about is, you know, elite athletes are so different right, than we are as, 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 you know, regular human beings, right? Like, if you and I have a bad day, that's fine. You have dinner, a glass of wine, your day's over, you go to sleep and you get up again, right? We never have to face a gauntlet of press or social media, you know, kind of ragging on us or trolling us. And there's yeah. a tremendous amount of, of pressure there, right? And so when you get to play a game or see these guys, you know, streaming, it brings a level of like, I'm just like you, right? There, there's actually not that much different. When your spare time, you like to play games, so do I. And hey, I might be just as good at 2K or, or FIFA as you are, right? And yeah. so I, I think there's a, a, a connectivity of, of a common element uh, of recognizing that, you know, there is an element that brings us all together. And, and really that is, hey, we want to have some fun and unwind uh, and enjoy ourselves uh, in this setting, you know, a few times a, a week. And, and that's a healthy thing for everybody. That, that's a good point. So, you know, so how do you see the world of esports evolving in the coming years? I mean, it sounds like the sky is the limit, right, for esports. Um, yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, look, we're at the very beginning uh, of this journey, right? Uh, you know, I've been in gaming since, um, you know, we were developing Brew and J2ME games on a flip phone, uh, you know, and, and, you know, you had up, down, left, right, you know, soft key one, soft key two, uh, and even back to the days of arcade, right? And I think, you know, when, when I think about the core elements of, of what make esports fun, it's kind of like going back to that arcade, right? Like when you're playing, uh, an arcade game and who had the high score in that arcade and how do you get your name to the top of the heap? Well, now that's just been taken from your local arcade of, you know, maybe the 50 people you knew in your neighborhood or your area who went there and blown it out to being able to be connecting with people globally, right? And so I think there's a lot of consistent elements that we're seeing over the years of what makes esports fun and entertaining. Um, but, you know, really, I think what we're, we're interested in, in, in as a fund um, is, you know, esports represents the, you know, combination of gaming, of streaming, of interactivity, of media, and you wrap all of that in the layer of fun, you know, I think the sky's the limit, right? And everyone is going to, you know, uh, perceive it in a different way, right? I ask my mom all the time, are you a gamer? No. Do you play games on your phone? Yes. Right. Okay. Well, how often do you play games on your phone? Well, you know, I play with my sister and you know, I play this game by myself. And like, so you're playing like an hour of games a day. So you're definitely a gamer, but you've yeah. never heard define herself as that. Right. And I think the next generation of esports will be something very similar, right. In terms of how we see a gamer. Right. And you went from hardcore games to, you know, your casual gamer on mobile phones. I think you're going to see what we, we perceive today as, you know, somebody who's, you know, participating in esports. No longer think of it as esports, but just thinking of it as, you know, community, connectivity, entertainment. And so that's a fun transition to go through. Um, and when you start with the core and then you bring it to the mass audiences, we're already there from the mass audiences from a viewership and engagement perspective. I think when you start to talk about democratizing the tools to play, to participate, to engage, that's when the fun really starts, right? And we're just at the beginning right now. Yep, I agree. So obviously, you, work, you know, you work for a VC and, you know, there's still a lot of startups looking for funding. So what advice would you give to any esports startups looking to raise money right now? And it's a tough environment. 
right? It is a tough environment, right? There are a lot of uh, funds that have put down bets, um, you know, in the last, let's call it, you know, uh, three to four years uh, who are still trying to figure out what those outcomes are going to look like, right? There has not been a lot of liquidity in the space. And so if you're a venture capitalist and you're raising from LPs, you're trying to show markups, you're trying to show exits and results. And so a lot of that is still coming, right? And we're in the very early stages. Um, and so what I always tell people, you know, who are looking to, you know, start a company in the space is, you know, goes back to that team. What is the unique value proposition? What is the insight? What is the aha moment that you had that will allow you to create a product, a service, a technology, which will allow this industry to move forward? You know, a lot of the time I talk about this is, you know, gaming traditionally, you've seen massive outcomes at the transition um, and intersection rather of um, uh, distribution and pricing changes. Right. So you think about the first wave of, you know, you had console games, you know, PlayStation, Xbox came out. Then you had your free to play social games on Facebook. Right. So yeah. you're going from console to PC and you're going from a $60 game to a free to play. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then you had Apple come. Right. And your distribution move from the PC to the mobile phone. Um, and now, you know, we're seeing the distribution change again uh, into the cloud. Right. And you're seeing games like, you know, Apex and Fortnite, um, you know, uh, and Warzone come along and be the same quality as a $60 console game, be free to play. And so we're seeing a massive trend. And that's why this moment in time is so exciting. So what gives you the, you know, the, this moment of time where we see cloud, um, you know, distribution and a change in pricing for cross-platform gaming? Right. And I really think that's the change right now. Where are you sitting in that ecosystem and what allows you to thrive at this moment in time? Right. And it's always about the why now. Uh, and so those are the kind of questions I challenge uh, founders when they come in to talk about when they're raising money. Um, and then at the same time, you know, we're obviously seed stage very early. You know, we're not looking for a tremendous amount of revenue, but in an ecosystem where there is currently a billion dollars of value. How do you see that growing and how do you expand the pie, right? We're not looking for somebody to come in and say, oh, there's a $400 million market here and we think we can grab that, right? Really what we're looking for are founders who are looking at expanding markets, who are growing the pie. And when you do that, you know, you're introducing, you know, compelling opportunities um, to, to increase overall value. And that's where you end up having really big outcomes. Yep, no, that makes sense. So look, uh, we, we're arriving at the end of the interview, but... Look, it's been super insightful. I just want to thank you for, for your time. Absolute pleasure. Uh, look forward to uh, having another chat again soon. Great. Thank you, Kai. Thank you. Thank you.